You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you would, look with me to the Gospel of John. Being that we're uh, kind of interpreting the book of John for these two people groups, we thought it'd be great to stay in the Gospel of John for a few weeks. So here we are, John chapter 15. This morning we're concluding this series that we've been in the, the past few weeks about connecting, serving, and growing. But we're in this week, this week that's forever changed the course of humanity. And it was the event being that of Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus died that we might live, right? He gave His life that we might have life. It was that event that opened the way that each of us might have the privilege of a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that we might have the privilege of growing in that relationship. It was on this Sunday... 2,000 plus years ago, what we call Palm Sunday, that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Uh, And it was that 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 began the process moving toward the cross. But on that day, on Palm Sunday, as the scripture records, the people had lined the streets, they had their palm branches, they were singing, they were celebrating, they were dancing, and they were screaming out, Hosanna, Hosanna. The word Hosanna simply means save now. So basically they were saying to Jesus, save us now. They were calling basically for the overthrow of the Roman rule. Um, and that was not Jesus' plan. Certainly he was going to bring salvation, but it was not by overthrowing the Roman rule. It was actually by the way of the cross. Uh, what we know following that event, Palm Sunday, led up to the, um, the arrest, the false accusal, the crucifixion. Uh, then led to the good news for us today of of the resurrection, making possible the miracle of salvation. See, today we're we're saved not because of what we did, but but because of what Jesus did, right? But but because of His provision for us on the cross. He is through His death and resurrection, we've been given grace. We've been given mercy. But we must ask this question this morning: Why did Jesus save us? Think about that for a minute, for your life. Why did Jesus say this? Why did God send his son to die that we might live? I think obviously the first answer to that would be, well, God loved us. I mean, John 3, 16 is really clear about that. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever would believe in him would have life. So obviously, um, you know, God loved us. What? Why did He save us? Because He loves us and He, and he wants to spend eternity, eternity with us. But there has to be more than that. Because, I mean, if the goal was just to save us so we could be with Him in eternity, then why didn't He just save us and take us? I mean, think about that. I mean, He saved you and left you here, right? Get on board with me this morning. <laughs> he saved you and left you here, right? I mean, obviously, you're here today. Uh, Yeah. He saved you, and He left you here for a purpose. So what is the purpose? Why did He save you and leave you? I think the answer to that is twofold. The first is this. He saved you so that you might represent Him to the world. And that Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says that, that we are Christ's ambassadors. We're His representatives. So he saved you that you might represent him. Secondly, he saved you and he left you here so that you might grow in your relationship with him. 
That there might be this process of growth, of development happening in your life. See, the, for us as Christ follows, if you're here today and you've received Christ as your Savior, you've opened your life to the miracle of salvation, then, then God expects you to grow, right? He expects you to grow. I mean, as Christ followers, we should not be stuck or stagnant. And every once in a while we get a little stuck, but hopefully you're not staying stuck. We don't want to be stuck. We don't want to be stagnant. And we should be embracing this ongoing process of growth happening in our lives. As a matter of fact, Paul says it like this in Colossians chapter 2. I, I really like the way the, the message paraphrase states this verse. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Listen as I read this. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You receive Christ Jesus the Master. Now live Him. Obviously, I've created an emphasis there. Live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. Next, Catch this next line. I love this next line. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Start living it. School's out. You know, you know quit trying to just, well, we've got to get more information, more information, more information. Oh, Paul says, now start living it. In other words, put to practice what, what, what you've learned. It's, it's speaking of that, of the ongoing growth process in the life of every believer. But there's an expectation that we would grow. You know, with spring arriving, interesting, today's the first day of spring, right? With spring arriving, it's time to plant the garden. How many of you like to plant the garden? How many gardeners do we have besides myself? You know, as a kid, I loved to play in the dirt, and I still love to play in the dirt as an adult. I enjoy the gardening process. And if you've not already tilled your garden, it's like you're past due. It's time. Not only is it time to chew the garden, I mean, I've already planted some stuff. I mean, I got the strawberries out, the potatoes out, the lettuce and spinach. I mean, all that stuff's planted. I tilled the ground and I've sown the seed. But listen, I didn't just sow the seed so I could say I sowed the seed. I didn't just sow the seed so I could say, hey, yeah, I got seed in the ground. No, I have an expectation that the seed is going to germinate, it's going to sprout, it's going to grow, and eventually there's going to be a harvest. I didn't plant the seed just so I could have seed in the ground. But there's an expectation, right? If you're a gardener, then you know this. There's an expectation that something's going to happen with that seed. And that that seed's going to become a plant, and that plant's going to produce something that's going to be like good, right? Right? Are you with me? So there's an expectation. If you're a gardener, there's an expectation that the seed you plant is going to grow. Again, in the same way, if we can take that analogy, God expects, and He expects you to grow as a Christ follower. Not to be at the same place year after year after year, kind of stuck and stagnant in your faith journey. No, God expects you to grow. Now, here at Grace Covenant... What we define as a growth strategy to come alongside you to help you grow involves three components. We've talked about the first two components. I want to talk about the third being grow this morning, but it's this. It's connect. We want to connect in healthy relationships. We want to serve others. Pastor Jeff talked about that here last Sunday while I was on the East Lincoln campus. You want to serve others. As we serve, we grow. And and then we want to then grow. Connect, serve, grow. So what, what is the process? What is the process of growth? Kind of what's the details of growth? You know, as we've said throughout 
this series, our goal as Christ followers is to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. But we're, we're all in this ongoing process of becoming like Christ. Now, how many of you know we've not arrived yet, right? There's no one in the room that's arrived yet. Uh, we're in the process of becoming more like Christ. And that is, that, that's the whole spiritual growth process. That, that there's less of me and there's more of Jesus. What I'm, I'm integrating the life of Christ into my life and I'm living that out. What's that? That is a process of spiritual growth. Now oftentimes we, we refer to this as discipleship. We're, we're becoming like Christ. We're disciples of Christ. We're embracing a process. The process is discipleship. Now look into your notes this morning. Discipleship is more than a statement of faith. It's more than a curriculum, a study. It's, it's more than just a checklist. Okay, I, I checked off my to-do list. It's more than that. Discipleship is really a relational process. It's a process of you, a relational being, connecting with Jesus Christ in relationship. And growing in that relationship. It's not just about, again, curriculum. It's not just about a to-do list. It's not just about a statement of faith. It's really about growing our heart. It's about gaining knowledge. It's about growing in our understanding of who God is. But more than that, it's about expanding the heart capacity. I see, I think discipleship, I think spiritual growth has more to do with growing our hearts than just growing our heads. Now, I'm not against knowledge. I think we should ever be in a process of learning and growing, expanding our understanding of God, digging into His Word, gaining knowledge. I think that's healthy and beneficial. But listen, the, the end point is not just for you to get more facts and to have more knowledge. The end result of growth should be this. You're becoming more like Christ. In other words, your heart is being shaped to be like Him. It's the process of discipleship. You know, it's interesting that one of the first things that Jesus did as he began his public ministry after being baptized by John is he chose 12 men to be his disciples. And basically Jesus spent three years hanging out with 12 men as he shaped their lives. Obviously he taught them some. I mean, we have like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. There was times of instructions and times of teaching. But for the most part, Jesus spent three years hanging out with 12 men and it shaped their lives. It turned their lives around. They were fishermen and tax collectors and zealots who became fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ whose lives had been transformed. Why? Because they hung out with Jesus. Really, I mean, it's about, my whole point is discipleship is about relationship. And it's about relationship with Christ. It's about being connected to Christ. And that's what we're going to discover here in John chapter 15. As Jesus is bringing this analogy about life and about growth and about fruitfulness, basically he's saying, hey, the key is being connected in relationship to Jesus. Let's read the words. Jesus says it so much better than I could ever say it. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my Father's love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. In this passage of Scripture, John 15, Jesus' words. How do I know they're Jesus' words? Because they're in red, right? Jesus' words. What's the recurring word or phrase in John 15? Remain, right? I mean, like it's really, I mean... Jesus makes it so clear. I mean, again and again and again, he says, you got to remain, you got to remain, you got to remain. Or depending on the version of scripture you have, it might be abide. You got to abide, abide, abide. In other words, you got to be connected to. Basically, that's what Jesus was saying. You got to be connected to the life source. In this analogy, he says, the Father, our Heavenly Father, is the gardener. Jesus says, I am the vine, I am the life source, and then the branch, you're the branch. The branch has to be connected to the vine to have life and to bear fruit. So if you're going to grow, what you have to be, you have to be connected to the source. The source is Jesus Christ. So again, relationally, if we're going to grow, it's all about relationship, being connected to Jesus Christ. You know, as I, as I said earlier, interesting, at one point Jesus spoke to the religious leaders And these were really smart guys. I mean, these were guys who, like, from young boys, they were trained in the Torah. They were trained in the law. They could quote, like, passages, chapters, books of the Bible. Then memorize. I mean, talking about having biblical knowledge, these guys were loaded. Yet at one point, Jesus said to them, You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. In other words, you have all the right information in between your ears, but your hearts are disconnected from me. You're not my disciples. You're not my followers. Oh, again, discipleship is what? It's a, it's a heart issue. It's about being connected to. It's about remaining in Christ. It's all about relationship. So let me give you three keys to growing relationally with Christ. Three keys to growing relationally with Christ. The first is this. You need to believe in Him fully. Believe in Him fully. To believe fully means to be absolutely convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He is the only source of abundant life and eternal life. Now folks, there's not many ways to the Father. There's not many ways to God. I'm going to clear that up this morning. I know in the church world, the larger church body today, there's some question about, you know, maybe there's multiple ways. And I'm telling you today, according to the truth of what Jesus said, there's not many ways, there's one way. One way. And then one way is through Jesus. I mean, John 14, 6, Jesus could, I mean, he couldn't have been clear. He says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. And if anyone wants to get to the Father, they got to come through me. In other words, I'm the only way. So to grow in your relationship with Christ, first you have to fully believe in him, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who was 
born of the Virgin Mary, who lived a sinless life, who was crucified, and on the third day he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Listen, if you're going to become a Christ follower, you have to fully believe. You have to connect yourself to Christ. How do you connect yourself to Christ? You have to fully believe. If you don't believe, you're not connected. If you don't believe, you don't have abundant life and eternal life. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say it any other way. Life comes as we what? As we fully believe that Jesus Christ, again, was the Son of God. And that He came for this purpose, to die that you might live. That's how we get connected. So, so growth, growth in our lives begins with us fully believing. So belief precedes growth. So first we have to fully believe. And it's that fully believing that brings us to a point of being connected. Secondly, to, the second key to growing relationally with Christ is we need to spend time with Him often. Spend time with Him often. Again, we're back to this whole concept of remaining. If I'm remaining with, if I'm abiding with, then that means I'm spending time with. It means I'm hanging out with. It means like I'm in the presence of, I'm connected to. How many of you know that the quality of any relationship, doesn't matter which relationship, what level of relationship, the quality of every relationship is determined by what you invest in the relationship. Would you agree with that? I mean, if I were to say, um, let's say I have someone that I've met a couple times, and I know them by name, but that's really all I see them maybe, say, once a month. And I can call them by name because I know their name, but I really don't know anything other than maybe their first name. I don't even know their last name. Now, I could say I have relationship with them, but how many of you know the relationship's pretty shallow? Right? I mean, we're just like on first name basis. I don't know anything about their lives. I just know, you know, that's John. And I use the word John a lot because most, I mean, a lot of guys are John. And there's probably like a 40% chance you're going to get it right. Right? So I just say, hey, John. Um, John or Buddy, either one works. Hey, Buddy. Um, But my point being, if... If all I know is someone's first name and I've never really hung out with them, I never spent time with them, then I really don't have much of a relationship with them, if any relationship. But if I were to begin to spend time with someone and say we're meeting for coffee once a week and we're getting into God's Word and we're talking about life and the crisis of life and issues of life and we're praying and, and we're just kind of beginning to process life together... Before long, I would come to a depth of relationship with that individual. Why? Because I've invested time in that relationship. It's kind of the same with with the marriage relationship. If you're here today and you're married, then you fully understand this. The quality of the marriage is, is directly related to what you invest in the marriage. If the marriage is bad, and I may not even know you this morning, I may not even know your story, but if the marriage is bad, then someone quit investing somewhere along the way. And we don't want to take responsibility for that, but it is what it is, folks. Truth is truth. But the relationship, the quality of the relationship is determined by what you invest in. It's the same in our relationship with Jesus. If we want to grow in our relationship with Christ, then it requires an investment of time. We don't just wake up one day and say, whoa, look at me. Look how spiritually mature I am. 
Now, it, it, it requires you making a decision, and the decision is this. I'm going to live my life remaining in Christ, connected to Christ. It's going to be a priority in my life. And until it's a priority in your life, then you're not going to experience much growth in your life, spiritual growth in your life. Why? Because it never became a priority that you would spend time often with, with Jesus. I, I think a third key to growing in relationship with Jesus is this. you got to stay faithful to Him and His teachings. In other words, if you're a follower of Christ, you need to follow the teachings of Christ. Makes sense, doesn't it? I'm a follower of Christ, but I go do my own thing. That doesn't work. I mean, think about that. I'm a follower of Christ, but I get to choose what I want to do and choose what I don't do. Who's going to tell me what to do? Listen, then you're the Lord of your life. Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, if he's Lord of your life, then that means what? He's, he's, he, he's calling the shots in your life. He's directing your life. So if you're going to be a follower of Christ and you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ, then you have to stay faithful to him and follow his teachings. Matter of fact, look back to John 15.10. John 15.10, Jesus said these words. He says, if you keep my commands, if... If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love, if we keep His commands. And then if you were to turn back a couple chapters to John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said these words to a group of Jews who, be, who became His followers. They believed in Him, and notice what He said, if you hold to my teaching... Catch that. If you hold to my teaching, if you follow my teaching, if you do my teaching... You are really my disciples. But if you're not following my teaching, then basically Jesus is saying here, you're not my disciples. Again, we can't say we're his disciples and we go our own way and do our own thing and we don't follow his teaching. If you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ, then we take that out of his words and we begin to integrate them into our lives. Again, it's all about relationship. But we're becoming like Christ. So then that what it, it begins to positively impact our marriage. It begins to positive, positively impact our, our work life. Why? Because we're integrating the life of Jesus into our own lives. We're connecting. We're remaining in relationship with Jesus. Interesting. One of Jesus' disciples, John, actually wrote it like this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, John wrote these words. We know that we have come to know Him if... We keep His commands. Pretty simple, isn't it? If we keep His commands. If we follow His teaching. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him, notice, must live as Jesus did. Must live as Jesus did. And if you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ, it involves staying faithful to Him and to His teachings. Living out the very faith that you profess. You know, it's been said, this is not original with me, but I really like it. It's been said that, that Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not a spectator sport. It's not something where you sit on the sidelines and just kind of watch this thing play out. No, you've you, you got to be engaged in the game. 
if you expect to grow. You, you, you have to get involved. You have to embrace a process to be committed to in remaining in Christ. As you're connected to Jesus and following His teachings, then you will grow and be fruitful. It's then that we, we experience this growth in our lives. So, so as, I, as I wrap this up this morning, I want to bring this whole series together and kind of summarize it into this whole spiritual growth process. And, and I want to reverse the order a bit. I want to begin with this. We grow in our relationship. We grow in our faith when we first dig in. Dig in. When we dig into relationship with Christ. We dig into the truth, the truth of God's Word. And we allow the words of Christ to begin to shape our lives and how we live out our lives. I was reading a book, or I just finished a book called Move. And the book is, it's a book about numbers and statistics and charts, but it was a book put together by a group of of individuals who were doing a study. In this study, they they surveyed 250,000, a few more than 250,000 Christ followers from 600 churches. So 600 churches, 250,000 plus Christ followers asking this question, how do you grow in your life? What is most significant to help you become like Christ? And out of all the information they gathered, out of all the surveys, this is what they discovered. The number one way that people grow in their faith life, becoming more like Christ, is through reading on and reflecting on the Word. Reading the Word and reflecting on the Word. More than attending church, more than going to a Bible class, more than anything else... Out of those 250,000 people, they said it's the reading of God's Word and reflecting on His Word consistently, like on a daily basis, that's impacting our lives. Well, you got to dig in. you got to dig into God's Word, allowing God's Word. That's why I, I talk about all the time, you got to get into God's Word, allow God's Word to get into your life. And most of you, most of you won't remember this. But there was a time when you were a lot younger, say like 18 months, um, two years, where you were spoon-fed. Now, maybe you remember this, you know, here comes the airplane, open your mouth. But you were spoon-fed. Why? Because you couldn't feed yourself. You, you, were, you were in that infant coming into that baby stage. And your parents spoon-fed you. But there came a day, maybe when you were three years of age, I don't know exactly when it happened, maybe it was 30 months, but there came a time in your development when your parents said, no, you hold the spoon. And they began to teach you to feed yourself. Now, if you're 42 years old and your parents are still spoon-feeding you, we got a problem. I don't want this to sound condemning because that's not my goal this morning. I never want to just make someone feel bad. But I do want to communicate a truth for you. If you're going to grow in your life spiritually, you've got to move from being spoon-fed to self-feeding. 
if you never move from being spoon-fed and being self-fed, self-feeding, then you'll always be immature in your faith life. Self-feeding, meaning what? Meaning that you're not depending on me one day a week to feed you. And that is like the, the fullness of your spiritual diet. You know, a preacher, bring it good because it's all I'm going to get for a week. I try really hard every Sunday to do my part. But I'm telling you, what I do on Sunday morning is not enough for your spiritual development. We've got to move from being spoon-fed, Pastor, give us what we need, to self-feeding, Holy Spirit, teach me as I'm in the Word. Help me become more like Christ. And when you begin to self-feed, making it a priority in your life that you're getting into the Word, then what happens? You begin to grow in your life. You've got to dig in. And we, we have a couple things to help you in the process first thing I would encourage you to do is, is to get a, a readable translation. Man, don't try to read the King James Version. You don't talk that way. You don't, you don't understand it. Get something like the NIV or the New Living Translation or the Message Papers. Listen, it's all God's Word. Just some, some's easier to read and easier to understand than the others. You get a readable translation. Second, get a defined time. I'm convinced you need a defined time. I'm not going to tell you when it has to be. It could be morning, could be noon, could be in the evening, could be midday. Listen, you need a defined time. Listen, I have a defined time every morning when I have coffee, and it's really important that I have coffee at that time. It's defined. I, I don't have to wonder. I know early every morning I'm going to have coffee. This is what I also know. There's a defined time every day when I have lunch. It's sometime between 11.30 and 12.30. And listen, this boy doesn't miss lunch. It's defined. It happens. I feed my body. Listen, you need to define time that you're digging into God's Word. Again, it's the, num- it's the number one way for spiritual growth to happen in your life, that you self-feed Here's the third thing. We have a, a, a tool. We didn't create the tool, but we think it's a phenomenal tool. It's called version. Listen, you can get God's Word on pretty much any uh, piece of technology that you have. For example, on your phone. You can program it into your phone. You can get God's Word delivered to your phone two times a day, three times a day, five times a day. I just begin to read and reflect on God. If it's, a, if it's one verse... Listen, if you go from zero to one, you've just doubled what you were doing. Just one verse, two verses. Get it delivered to your phone, read it, reflect on it, think about it, do it a couple times a day, and growth begins to happen in your life. I have a young man, he, he, was, he was actually in the last service, his name's Brian. Uh, Brian just received Christ as his Savior about six weeks ago. Um, struggling in his life. He came to one of our pastors. She shared Jesus with him. He said yes. She prayed with him. I mean, his life's completely turning around. He was in my office about two weeks ago, and we were talking. He says, you know, Pastor, he says, it's so amazing. He says, I, I, I didn't even know anything about the Bible. 
He says, I'm getting this scripture delivered on my phone in the morning and in the evening. And my wife and I, we're reading these together and we're talking about it. He says, it's changing my life. Wow. Having that simple, just getting the word delivered on the phone, reading it, thinking about it, applying it. It's the whole process of digging in. You want to grow spiritually? you got to dig in. You, you, you must begin to self-feed. The second thing we talked about in this series is you need to connect in healthy relationships. You need to connect to authentic relationships. Listen, this is what I know. We're better together. Right? We're, we're better together. Listen, I can help you. You can help me. We can encourage one another. We can sharpen one another. We can shape one another. We're better together. So you got to take the initiative to connect in authentic community, healthy relationships. And the third thing that we've talked about in this series is we need to serve selflessly. To serve others. You know, as you take the gifts and the abilities that God's placed in your life, and you begin to use those to serve others, can I say what's going to happen? You're going to grow. As you serve, you grow. Really simple. So we need to connect an authentic relationship. We need to serve others selflessly. And we need to dig in. Connect, remain. Drawing life from the source, being Jesus Christ. What's going to happen then in your life? I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to grow spiritually. You're going to, you're going to become a different person. But it's the process of being conformed to the image and the likeness of Christ. Then we don't want to be stuck. We don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to be stale, right? We want to every day be embracing that process, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, making us more like Christ. Amen? Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning for the direction, the counsel, the encouragement of your word, the challenge of your word. Lord, I I know that as I speak this morning, there's people like all over the spectrum this morning, folks who are like aggressively embracing process, embracing truth, living this thing out. Lord, I know, but as well, there's folks on the other end of the spectrum who who they're just trying to figure out, is there a God? And then somewhere in between, there's people who are somewhat stuck and stagnant. God, there's, again, all along the way, Lord, there's people in a lot of different places. Lord, this is what I know you love every individual. Where they're at in their process. The Holy Spirit, I, I just ask today for, for everyone here. I don't need to raise any hands to call anyone to a decision. God, this is what I know. We all, we all need growth in our lives. Because we're all in that process. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would continue to sharpen and shape as we as we define the day, as we define the time, as we get into the word, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us. Holy Spirit, help us take the teachings of Christ and and work them into our lives. Not that it would just be information that we have, but it would be truth that transforms. My prayer today is that for every individual here, that they would be motivated to embrace the process. Lord, may we become individuals who, who gather for worship on Sunday to celebrate. But throughout the week, Lord, there's growth happening because we're self-feeding. Right, may that be the process we embrace in our lives for our growth. 
Holy Spirit, help us to that ends, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.